Welcome to Soul Bodied. This is your host, Anna Kinkela. This is a sacred space where we hold conversations on what it means to honor the fullness of our humanity and the expansiveness of our divinity. In this space, we embrace the complexities that are inherent in all of our experiences, welcoming in the messiness of all that we are as a pathway to knowing, embracing, and embodying the fullest expression of our soul in the human realm. We talk about leadership, embodiment, social change, psychology, spirituality, conscious business, quantum creation, politics, nature, movement and the body, relationships, building communities of true connection, and anything else that guides us deeper into leading from a place of wholeness and belonging within ourselves and with each other. Hello everyone and welcome back to Soul Bodied. This is your host Anna Kinkela and I am happy to be back with another episode in this seven day series where I'm celebrating relaunching the podcast under a slightly different name, slightly different feel. And as part of this relaunch, I am offering several really high value prizes that you can win, that you can be entered to win when you share the podcast on your Instagram platform with your friends and family and tag me at the Anna Kinkela, T-H-E-A-N-A-K-I-N-K-E-L-A. Or, and when you write a review on iTunes to let me know how the podcast is impacting you. For every iTunes review, you receive three entries to win one of the amazing prizes I have. And if you share on your Instagram platform and tag me, you will receive one entry for each time you share. So there's so many opportunities for you to be entered to win these amazing individual coaching sessions with some really powerful leaders, including you can win an individual session with me and also be entered to win $300 off my incredible retreat that's happening later this year in Bali. So can't wait to see your shares, your reflections on the reviews, and I so appreciate you being here and tuning in. On today's podcast, we are going to be diving into a topic that is really near and dear to my heart and a topic that really needs to be addressed in depth in the coaching industry. We are going to be talking about how to provide trauma-informed spaces and the importance of coaches remaining in their scope of practice with what they are doing with clients. 
And I want to talk about this for a couple of different reasons. One, I've had a lot of clients recently who have come my way because they appreciate my mental health background and my awareness of trauma-informed care because they've had really negative experiences with coaches who have in some way re-traumatized them or have done some really deep work with them without having the proper training to do that level of work. I wish that I could say that these incidents are few and far between, but unfortunately, I've heard this so much from clients and from other coaches who get clients who've had these kinds of experiences in the industry. And it's so important for us to really understand the repercussions of having spaces where we're not properly trained to lead someone through trauma work and or just having spaces that don't honor the fact that everyone is coming to you, everyone who is working with you has some level of trauma. And therefore, understanding how trauma manifests and understanding how to hold spaces that really support people's choices, that support a culture of consent and other components that I think are a real necessity when you're holding any kind of community event or holding any kind of space, that it's really important knowledge to have. And so I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about the necessity of that. And what gets brought into this conversation in addition to that is how there's this prevalent messaging that I see in the coaching industry that talks about how you can coach on anything and that if you are feeling a soul pull towards helping someone overcome, you know, their trauma or helping someone you know, be successful in their business that you can essentially just change your messaging and start promoting yourself in this way. And while I think that the intention here is to help encourage coaches to really follow their passions and to, you know, overcome perhaps any kind of imposter syndrome that they're having, there isn't a deeper conversation and a more complex conversation that's happening surrounding, are you ready to hold these kinds of spaces? Are you trained to hold these kinds of spaces? Do you have the results in your own business to become a business coach, right? And so these are kind of deeper questions of integrity and deeper questions of how are we showing up with the people that we are serving and are we helping them or are we harming them unintentionally, right? And so these are all really, really important things to talk about because real harm is being caused by different coaches to the clients that they're serving. And we're propagating a message that all you need to do is just say you're doing this kind of coaching and you're that kind of coach. And while I am all for recognizing our innate gifts in the world and following our soul and doing the kind of work that we are passionate about, we also really need to acknowledge that if you have a passion for something, then am I currently in the space where I can responsibly hold that kind of container for someone? And if I'm not, how can I take the steps that are needed in order to 
become that kind of space holder instead of just jumping in and claiming that I can do that. I see this episode, you know, really being helpful for you if you are someone who is currently looking for a coach or you're looking to do some deeper work and you're wondering how to choose a coach. Um, I think that this information is really relevant because there are so many coaches that do deep work. And, you know, my deeper invitation for those of you who are entering into the realm of personal development or you've been here for a while, maybe you've been burned by a coach or an experience that you've had is, you know, to receive some like tips and insights on how do you find the coach that is right for you to do this kind of work? And, you know, can this work be done with a coach or do I need to do it with a therapist? Because there are very real differences between the kind of work that you're going to do in those two realms. And sometimes it's actually more appropriate to do it with a therapist. And sometimes it's more appropriate to do it with a coach. And so it just depends where you are, what you're experiencing and what you're hoping to get from the experience. This podcast episode is also for you if you are a coach who, you know, maybe is looking to switch to pivot your niche and who you're working with and to perhaps understand, you know, if you're wanting to do this deeper kind of work with folks, where do you need to be in order to be able to hold these spaces? And also, if you are a coach, to just learn some really helpful things and how you are holding containers for other people and what is really important for you to keep in mind, knowing that most, if not all of the people that you are coaching in your containers have some level, some form of trauma um, and why this is so important to consider when you're holding containers. And of course, the way that you hold the container is going to be different depending on the kind of work that you do. But I do think that if we are working with human beings on any level, whether it's business coaching, whether it's, you know, marketing, or whether you're doing some kind of spiritual or deeper level work with another person, we all need to be keeping this in the back of our minds in terms of how we hold the space. One of the reasons that I am so passionate about this is because I spent about 10 years working in trauma in mental health. And so I intimately understand from the clients that I've worked with how much of an impact it really has when, you know, someone that they are working with aren't trauma informed and how much that can kick up a lot of past events that trigger a whole slew of things in their life that can really derail folks. So it's really important that we are all rooted in this understanding so that we can actually serve our clients in the best possible way and so that we don't do harm to other people. In most of these situations, harm is generally done unintentionally, right? Because you don't know what you don't know. And also, we are still responsible for the spaces that we hold. So there's a very real impact that is created on others when we're not educated about trauma-informed care. I consider this to be an imperative part of conscious leadership. And, you know, we can talk about being conscious all we want, 
But if we are not willing to do the inner work within ourselves to admit where our blind spots are or to look at where we are not in integrity or where we could use more education and training, then, you know, we're not really truly living up to what it means to be a conscious leader. And so this is an invitation for us to do this deeper reflection and, you know, for us to really see like, where, where do I land in this work? Where do I need more support, understanding, training in order to facilitate the kinds of containers that I want to facilitate? Being trauma-informed is imperative for any community spaces or individual spaces that you're holding for clients. And it's also in the way that, you know, business should be done, meaning that everything in your business should be done from a consent-based space. We do not exist in a consent-based world, and marketing has not been taught from the place of considering consent. And so I see this happening quite often even on sales calls where we're not asking people for consent or we're not informing them ahead of time that we are going to actually be having a sales conversation with them. And this is less prevalent now than it was even a year ago in the coaching industry, but I still see the ways that people aren't being straightforward with others when they're clearly having a sales conversation with them about getting them into a group program or an individual mentorship. And that even on the call, people are not you know, letting others know ahead of time, hey, this is what I'm going to talk about my offer. Are you okay with me talking about that? Um, for people to just know ahead of time how things are happening, whether they consent to that happening specifically, and giving people choices, right? When someone experiences trauma, any form of trauma, one of the things that gets taken away from them is their choice. And when we provide other people with choices, when we let people know ahead of time what's going to be happening, And when we directly ask whether it's okay for something to happen, we are then providing the space for someone to say no or to say yes. And this is something that is so imperative and actually giving a person a positive experience. When people understand exactly what is happening, why it's happening, and that they have the ability to say yes or no, the relationship that they have with you is so much stronger. We all want to be acting from an empowered space within ourselves. And even if it's done in a subtle way, we can feel the impact of someone taking our ability to have more choice and to have more space and to have the ability to say no and yes. We all know when we are feeling pressured to do something versus when we wholeheartedly say yes to something. And there is a tangible difference in the energy. I've been on both sides of the equation where I've been on sales calls that have felt like pressured sales calls. And I've been on sales calls that have felt like, oh, I have so much space here to actually consider what is right for me in the situation. And I can tell you from personal experience that when I've experienced high pressure sales calls, even when I said yes, it didn't, the investment 
how I invested my money and how I felt about that coach was not the same as when I invested from a full-hearted, whole-body yes. And that in and of itself shapes the dynamic of the relationship considerably, even if it's never spoken into the space. And so even on a very subtle energetic level, that does impact the quality of the kind of relationship that you can have with your client. And I've also been a coach that has pressured other people into sales very early on in my coaching career because that's how I was coached to do things. And it was, you know, before I actually started to put a lens on what I was doing and how I was leading in my business. And it was a moment of reckoning for me as a leader individually in how do I actually choose to be in this space and what's important for me, integrity and values wise, and how do I want the people who come into my business to actually feel with me. And that the feeling that you evoke in someone is more important than whether you make the sale at the end of the day, because people end up coming back to people who they feel good with. And my only job on a sales call is actually to help that person make the best decision for themselves. It's not to sell them on the program. It's to make them get in tune with what feels right for them in the moment, regardless of whether it is my program or not. This doesn't mean not stressing the impact that your program can have or highlighting the value of the program. You still do that. You still stand in the confidence of what you can provide and how you can help someone while at the same time honoring um, their own sovereignty and honoring their own ability to make a good choice for themselves. This is a very subtle yet important way for you to consider how your business is approaching others and how you are reinforcing dynamics that people have experienced in other areas of their life, even if it's in small ways, those still count a lot. There's still micro moments where people feel either safe and supported to make choices or they can feel pressured and unsafe in the space with you. It's in the details, right? It's in the small moments um, that add up over a period of time that really make a difference in your business. In addition, this creates more transparency and a sense of trustworthiness, right? If you're being transparent, if you're not hiding anything, then people are more apt to feel like they can trust you, right? And know that there's nothing that you're hiding. And inherently, there's a lot of marketing practices that don't instill this sense of trustworthiness and transparency. So when we're withholding a lot of information or being dodgy in some ways, you know, people can sense that people are intelligent enough and they feel the energy of that. So in another way, this is how being very transparent in your sales can really help to instill this kind of relationship that you really want to have with your clients that you want to have with potential clients. So we've already covered some elements here that are really important in trauma informed spaces and being trauma informed in your business. Um, one of them being providing lots of choices, the other being, you know, transparent and really trustworthy, building that relationship of trust. 
the other piece that goes into that is being consistent and predictable. And, you know, when you say you're going to do something that you do it, right? So responding to things in a timely manner, showing up when you say you're going to be showing up. And if you can't, clearly communicating to your clients um, ahead of time that you're not going to be able to do what you said you were going to be able to do. This um, creates another layer of safety in the relationship because any type of relational trauma that someone has experienced is going to consciously or unconsciously impact all other relationships in their life, right? So the more that we can show up consistently, reliably in the space of trustworthiness and transparency, it really builds that safety in the relationship and makes you someone that people can depend on. And that inherently is a trauma-informed way of approaching things. I think it's also important to note how much potential there is for relational trauma to be healed in relationship with others and how even if you're not directly doing trauma work, the quality of relationship that you have with someone is really an integral part of anyone's healing journey. And we all have different levels of trauma in relationships. Like there's capital T traumas, the really big traumas, and then there's lower T traumas. And when we are in relationship with each other, we're either reinforcing those same patterns or we're shifting the patterns. And if we're shifting the patterns, that means on some level we are healing them through the experience. So I just want to highlight how important that is and how important it is for you to consider how you are in relationship with your clients. What I also want to bring into the conversation is how do we really create safety for people? Um, both in community spaces and also in our individual containers. So, of course, there is, you know, physical and emotional safety. And physical safety comes into play if you're with people in person. So if you're creating retreats or community experiences in person, then, you know, is touch involved in the community aspect of the event? And how can you create space for people to give permission to be touched or hugged? This especially refers to yoga classes where sometimes yoga teachers give adjustments or maybe they go around at the end of the class and do some type of light massage on someone's shoulders, that all of these components really need to be thought of as it relates to how can we provide opportunities for people to give consent or say no um, if there's some kind of touch that's going to be involved in an in-person event. In you know, coaching containers that are online, you are really looking at a lot of emotional safety. And emotional safety can mean a different things, right? But emotional safety for me really means creating space for everyone to be witnessed wherever they are so that there's no invalidation or minimization of emotional experiences and there's space for all of people's parts to be witnessed on an emotional level I think at some point or another we've all been made to feel that our emotions are invalid or that it's not safe or okay to experience certain emotions or any emotion and specifically when it comes to trauma, there is a culture of silencing, right? That we can't talk about certain experiences, that we can't voice certain emotions. And there's a lot of shame that 
revolves around experiences of trauma. And definitely, depending on the severity of the trauma, there's going to be more and more shame, right? So it is an invitation into um, how do we normalize feeling a gamut of different things? How do we normalize expressing that in community with each other? And how do we actually create space for there to be differences among us, right? That we all don't have to have the same experience, that we all don't have to feel okay all the time, and that people are safe and welcome to express if they're not feeling okay or if something doesn't feel right or if their boundaries are being crossed. And so how can you as a leader make it okay for someone to come to you, encourage people's expression and encourage the diversity of expression and the diversity of of identity that resides in your community. We don't all walk the same way in the world and how the world reads and interprets our external identity affects how we live in the world, how we experience the world, and also what types of trauma have happened to us. So the more that we can actually acknowledge the the difference, validate the experience of someone and how they've lived in the world, the more we create space for them to be who they're who they are, and the more that they will be able to feel safe in being their full self in the space. And that is really, I think, what we want to create, right? When I talk to coaches, when I talk to healers, the intention is for them to really create spaces where people can be fully expressed. And so emotional safety, all of these different kinds of way that safety gets created is so instrumental in someone being able to be in their fullest expression. If safety is not met, then people feel triggered, people feel stuck in survival mode. And, you know, we can talk about how to be in our spiritual bodies and do all of that beautiful work. But we are still humans living a human experience. And if we do not feel safe somewhere, it's going to be really hard for us to progress in any type of healing work. So safety is such a core component of any type of transformational work. And that does mean trauma-informed care. What I want to talk about next is scope of practice and the boundaries of where you can go with people if you are not trained to work with people's trauma. And it's such a slippery slope. Oftentimes, you know, the boundary between therapy and coaching can become very blurred, especially in today's day where I see the coaching industry growing really rapidly. And I see a lot of people, you know, offering programs that you know, do inner child work, that do um, work on sex and relationships. And so, you know, defining where the boundary is between therapy and coaching can get a little gray and blurry. And this isn't so much me saying that if you're a coach, you absolutely cannot do this deep work with people if you don't have a therapy degree Or, you know, me saying that you really have to go see a therapist before you can do any type of deeper healing work. Because I've genuinely met a lot of coaches who are very skilled at what they do, who are very good at what they do. And they know their capacity to hold someone in the space. And they know when they've exceeded that capacity. 
And I would say that they're just as good as some therapists who've had, you know, 10 years worth of training. Um, There's also plenty of coaches who've had 10 years worth of training. So this isn't about saying that one profession is better than the other or one degree is better than another when you're aiming to do certain types of work. It's more about inviting a deeper level of discernment into, you know, what kind of work are you doing? What is the goal of the work? And then if you're hiring a coach for that work or a therapist for that matter, what is their level of experience and how much training have they had in that area? For embodiment and something to truly take form, you have to have some level of lived experience in what you are doing, right? I always talk about that, that embodiment, yes, is a lot of internal work within yourself to alchemize what's going on within you. And true embodiment only happens when we take the action steps because your body also needs to learn and allow that knowing to land in the body now in the present moment. So the same goes for, you know, something we are gifted in, something that maybe just comes from a deep innate knowing in our soul. I know a lot of people who are naturally just healers, who are naturally really powerful space holders. And they might have that very natural gift inside of themselves, but without them taking the action steps in their 3D realm and practicing providing those spaces and, you know, learning knowledge that helps them further understand the people that they are working with and how to use different skills and techniques to further someone in their healing journey, it's going to be really difficult for them to be embodied in that gift fully, right? And so it is to say that, you know, you can have a passion for something, you can have a natural inclination and gift for something, Um, like in our child work with people or helping to heal people's um, wounding around their sexuality. However, it's really important to acknowledge how much do I innately know and how much real world experience and knowledge do I have in this topic? Your own personal experience with healing is not enough to be able to hold someone else's healing, right? And oftentimes I see this happening in the coaching industry where someone has healed their own sexual trauma or someone has healed their own relationship with sexuality or with their with the inner child. And because other leaders want to encourage people living in their possibility, oftentimes the message that gets sent out is, Oh, if you've done the personal work, then you can coach someone who's several steps behind you. And while in some circumstances, yes, we are coaching people who are several steps behind us, there is a little bit more complexity in that depending on the work that you're doing and also the depth of the work that you're doing with someone. So it's both the type of the work and the depth of the work. And so I want to really anchor this into a very um, simple example. So let's say as a coach, you help people heal their relationship with their sexuality. 
on a coaching level, what you might be doing is you might be helping them tune into, you know, the five senses, tune into their sensual experience of their body, um, helping to give them tools and exercises to engage their sexuality in different ways, right? And that is beautiful. That is definitely something that you can do in the coaching sphere as it relates to sexuality. And, you know, what inevitably oftentimes tends to happen in the space is that sometimes people's sexual trauma gets triggered here because they're intermingled with each other, right? Someone's lack of sexual expression or lack of connection to their sexuality is often tied to sexual trauma that they might have experienced in the past. So then the question becomes, A, if sexual trauma does come up, if someone is triggered within your work and says, oh, this reminds me of something that happened to me, you know, 10 years ago, how are you going to handle that situation in the space in a way that is an honoring of their experience and that is an honoring of the scope of what you can provide. So if a past experience gets triggered, are you referring them to a therapist to do deeper work on that? Or are you trying to help them heal their sexual trauma? And how are you holding the space when they share that experience with you? Are you validating the experience? Are you really uncomfortable hearing the experience and then you silence them? Or are you trying to give them advice, right? And so all of these different responses and how you handle the space really impact what how that person feels about what just happened and what they shared. And also whether they are able to go forward and actually do the healing work they need to do on a deeper level to overcome some of these blocks that show up for them in their sexuality. And if you're in a coach role... I don't think that it's appropriate for you to be working on healing someone's sexual trauma. That's work that I don't even do within a coaching relationship because I create very clear boundaries between what is coaching and what is therapy. So I don't process people's trauma within my coaching relationships. If something comes up within the coaching relationship and there's a trauma event that is really being triggered and that is causing a lot of pain and suffering and it's interfering with their ability to move forward, it's coming up over and over again, then I would refer them to do therapy work with someone that is not me. Um, Or we would switch into a therapeutic relationship and stop with coaching and they wouldn't be able to go back to coaching with me anymore. Um, And so I have very distinct boundaries around the work. And even though I'm qualified to hold the space, I would not be doing that within the coaching relationship. Clearly defined roles and boundaries are imperative when you're doing healing work. And that is a component of providing really good care to someone, regardless of whether you're a coach or a therapist. Um, boundaries are imperative for both the client's protection and for your protection. That's why we have contracts. That's why we have limits on what we can provide in a relationship and what we can't. And so the more that you can recognize your own boundaries 
and the client's boundaries and what is in their highest good, the healthier your relationships with your clients and past clients and future clients will be. And the more empowered your clients are going to feel in the relationship with you. I think that we are all on a journey to understanding, recognizing, and creating better boundaries for ourselves in all areas of our life. And so the same is true within these situations that when we can really recognize our own boundaries, when we can honor the boundaries of the client and what we know as a professional is in their highest good, then the better outcomes we all have within that relationship and the better outcomes that client has within the healing work. Sometimes it can be appropriate for a client to be doing both um, coaching work and also therapy work because they are different kinds of containers that can help them in different ways. So one provider isn't necessarily meant to be everything to one person. And because we are helpers, um, oftentimes there's that pull for us to help people in all the ways. And really what needs to happen is let me help this person in the way that I can help them and allow them to receive what they need in other spaces from other people who can hold that kind of space for them. So I have been talking more about, you know, coaches who do some kind of deeper healing work with people um, as it relates to this topic, mainly because I tend to work with those kinds of coaches. Um, However, this applies to you know, business coaches and marketing coaches and strategy coaches as well, Um, especially if you're working with someone one-on-one because business and personal get so intertwined and people's stuff is going to emerge in the space. It might not come up in as deep a way as it would if you are already doing some deep work with people, but there still needs to be a level of understanding of, you know, what do I do with this when it comes up and how do I handle it in a way that you know, supports someone's experience and that supports them in taking the necessary steps that they need to take towards healing this piece um, because it does show up in business in various ways. So, you know, this still applies in a lot of ways and there are a lot of business coaches out there who are also doing deep healing work um, because business coaching in the coaching industry is a very... (laughs) It's a very malleable concept. You get something a little bit different with every business coach, quote unquote. And so I think that that's another important piece to consider when you are hiring a coach. If your intention is to hire a business coach, what does it mean that they are a business coach? And what type of work can you expect to do with them in the space, right? Everything that I've talked about in this episode, you know, how you can bring trauma-informed care into your communities, Um, how you can be really conscious about what kinds of containers you are able to hold. All of these things are, when it comes down to it, reflected in very small actions and very subtle energies that present in whatever space you are creating. And oftentimes, you know, when I've talked about this with some coaches or some people, They'll say, oh, it's just like a little detail. It's not a big thing. 
And what I want to reinforce here is that it actually is a huge thing. Even though these are small things, small ways that we show someone that we see them, that we are able to validate someone's experience or that we're able to create safety for them. The feeling of how they feel with you and in community with you is what sticks with people. And someone might not be able to say, oh, what made me feel uncomfortable or what I didn't like about this coach or what I didn't like about this experience is that they didn't have trauma-informed spaces. They're probably not going to say that, right? (laughs) Most people aren't going to say that. But people walk away with a certain experience of themselves in your spaces, And it's more about you having this deeper level discernment of the details that go into how you hold someone through your business and through your containers that often create the most amount of impact on another person. And I found this time and time again in my own business that it wasn't so much these big sweeping declarations or actions that I took with people in my business that it was actually these really small ways that I showed up with people that made them feel safe in themselves, that made them feel seen, which stuck with them for a very long time. And it's why they refer people to me. It's why they keep coming back to me, right? It's why they continue to engage with me. And that's what makes for a good business. That's what makes for good relationships. So, you know, I really want to invite you into this deeper consideration of how that happens in your business, how you treat your clients, because it does create ripple effects that maybe we minimize in the moment, but in the grand scheme of things that really build up over a period of time, and that can make or break, um, you know, what kind of work you're able to do, how deep you're able to go with your clients, and in the long run, that really impact the growth of your business. Not to mention the most important piece is that we are not causing harm to people, that we are actually helping people break patterns that they've been embedded in for a really long time and create spaces where people get to be the most expansive version of themselves because safety is so imperative in that work. I think it's also important to note that what I'm saying here is that we don't need to treat people like they are fragile. It's actually about recognizing how powerful, how resilient someone is in this space. Because when we validate and empower other people, they start to tap into their own acknowledgement of their power and their resilience. And that that is really the aim of any type of trauma-informed care is we're not you know, putting gloves on to hold people, we're actually just validating the beauty of everything that they are, and that their experiences don't define them, and that they are able to find a way out of those spaces, but they can only do that when they feel safe to do so, right? The other piece that I want to speak to here is, oftentimes, I actually get clients who come to me and say, you know, but am I really ready to do this work? Do I know enough? Am I qualified enough? And I see people on the other end of the spectrum where they have so much training, they have so much knowledge, and they keep getting training and they keep getting knowledge. And there's still this like resistance and actually stepping out and doing the work and claiming what they are here to do in the world. And 
there's a distinctly different energy about that, right? I see people on both extremes. I see people who who think that they can hold the space, but they have very little knowledge and training in it. And then I see people who have had so much training, but have that story of I'm not enough, or I'm not good enough to do this work, or am I ready enough to do this work? And this is where the deeper inner work is so important. The leadership work that you have to do within yourself is that those two energies are two very different energies. And you have to get to a point where you're able to discern the difference between those two energies. Is this coming from the place within me that's saying I'm not enough and that I need to continue to just get more training to prove that I'm enough? Or is this coming from the place where I genuinely feel uncomfortable for a very good reason? I feel uncomfortable because I actually don't know what to do here and I'm not in integrity, right? So two very different energies. And, you know, you know best what is happening within you. You just have to be willing to be honest enough to admit that this is where you are. If you're not ready to hold a certain kind of container or certain kind of space, I want to stress that this does not mean anything bad about you. It does not mean that you are a bad person or that you're not a good healer. It does not mean anything about you. It's just that we are recognizing our limitations and recognizing where our zone is. When we are in our zone, that is when we are the most potent and powerful um, providers, coaches, healers in the space. When we are outside of our zone, that's when what we are able to provide to clients gets very muddied and we step outside of the seat of our own power, right? When we can recognize and stay in our zone, we provide better results to our clients. And, you know, I see people making interpretation of the fact that they can't hold the space when it's more about really coming into relationship with what kinds of spaces do we hold the most potently in this moment in time and focusing in on that because that is what is going to yield your clients results and what is going to make your clients expand in the most beautiful ways. Thank you for tuning in today. I hope that was of service to you and I will see you in the next episode.